Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 127, where in a moment we discuss 10 reasons to look at trusts. That's in a second, as I say, but please bear in mind if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here and you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we've featured loads of stuff. Mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time, we spoke about passing on your pension. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. Joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Okay, 10 reasons to look at trusts, the subject this week. The obvious place to start, I suppose, is to ask, what exactly is a trust? Yeah, I kind of looked up the the dictionary definition for, for a trust, and it's an arrangement whereby a person or trustee, they, they hold property as its nominal owner for the good of one or more beneficiaries. So really, money goes into a trust. Somebody's holding it there, but for the benefit of, of others. Okay. The person that establishes the, the trust, they're called a, a settler. The, the plan for this show, it's not really to go into too much technical detail because trusts can be quite technical there, there can be a lot to it a lot of ins and outs but the the plan for this show it's not to go into too much technical detail but it's really just to give some reasons why people should be looking at trusts and some of the benefits that, that can be had by by having a trust and I mean, you, you've got lots of different types of trusts lots of different ways that you can use trust so for example you can put your life insurance policies into a trust you can put your house into a trust more difficult if you've got a mortgage, but if you've no mortgage, <laughs> that you can, can look at doing that. You can put investments into trust. So uh, there, there'll be quite a lot of different things that we'll, we'll go through today. But the main reason was just to go through and say, look, here's some of the benefits of considering using trusts for, for different things. Okay. I, I thought this just occurred to me, and we'll, we'll get on to 10 reasons to look at trust in a second, but a thought that's just this minute occurred to me is I previous to this show, let's say, would have thought trusts, right? Yeah, that's for rich people. But the the examples that you're using there, it doesn't sound like that's the case. Not at all. I mean, you, you're right. I mean, there, there's a perception that trusts are for the rich and famous to try and get out of paying taxes, for example. But that, that's not the case at all. And as we go through some of the benefits of the, the trusts, we'll kind of see that I mean, like, if you set up your life insurance policy, you can set it up in trust. Now, Benefits of that are that if you die, the money's paid out really quickly. So there's various benefits. I mean, sometimes it can have sort of tax benefits, but a lot of different reasons why people should consider trusts. Okay, so we we know what a trust is. We're not going to get hung up in the technicalities of it. Now you come 10 reasons to look at trusts. Phil, reason number one. Yeah, reason number one, it's a formal and legally binding arrangement that has legal status. So that's the first kind of benefit. And I mean, if, if you make a will, for example, that's really just an expression of your wishes. Wills are much easier for, for people to challenge than a trust, whereas a trust is a legally binding agreement. With a will, 
it's possible that someone has a legal right to certain things. So, for in, for example, in Scotland, your kids have got a right to percentage of what's called the, the movable assets. But if those assets were put into a trust, it makes it much more difficult for them to, to get their hands on. So mm. so that that's one kind of advantage of a, a trust is it, it does make it kind of more difficult for certain people to be able to make a claim on the assets. So there it is, it's a formal and, and legally binding arrangement that's got a legal status. Okay, just to be clear, we're not saying if you're not keen on your kids, this is what to do. You <laughs> know, just... I've seen it before, John. I, I remember once that there was a chap, right? It, like in Scotland, the way it works is the, the movable items. So if you've got cash in the bank, your kids can lay claim to that if you die, even if you've not got them in your will. There was a chap once, he, he built a swimming pool on his property so that his kids couldn't inherit it because you could, with your property, that's not a movable item. Right. So whoever you name, right, I want such and such to, to get my property, the kids can't lay claim to that. But a, a much more simpler thing for that guy to do rather than spend his money in a swimming pool would have been just say, right, that money I'm going to put in some sort of trust yep. and that would have made it more difficult. But it just goes to, to show the lengths that some people will go mm. to. I mean, I think that particular person's son was into drugs and that was what the reason mm. why he didn't want him to, to inherit money. But hey, Tay, you see it all in this line of work, that's for sure. Yeah, so maybe saving uh, his son from himself in that instance. Formal and legally binding arrangement that has legal status. That's reason number one. We're off to a good start. What's reason number two, Phil? Yeah, put speed of payment at the time of a claim. There's no need to wait for probate. So what, what probate is, is it's the, the legal right to deal with someone's property, money and possessions, or basically their, their estate when they die. One of the things there, you, you shouldn't make any financial plans or put property on the market until you've got probate. So if, if an asset isn't in a trust, probate can take a wee bit of time to, to kind of, so it can take a while if, if, say, you had, for example, a life insurance plan and it was written in trust, that would pay out to the beneficiaries much sooner. They don't have to wait on probate. Um, one thing that is kind of holding things up just now is if for any reason the insurers had to, to get any medical information, I know doctors have got quite a bit of delays just now on, on some protection claims, but using a trust can often speed up um, money going to who you want it to go to. So that that's another really good reason why people should consider trusts when, when looking at things. Mm, speaking as one of a family going through probate at the minute, I can see what a godsend that would be by way of a comparison. Yeah. Reason number three is connected to that, isn't it? Yeah, it, it can also save on probate costs. Now, to, to give you an example, you get some firms that will offer free will. Now, what often happens in that situation is that they then... The, the company that's maybe setting up a will for nothing, they'll often say, well, look, we'll go down as the executors of the will. Now, that means basically that the executor is the person or institution appointed to sort out the person's wishes when they die. Now, at that stage, that's where the institution appointed, they'll often charge a fee to the estate. And that fee is often based on a percentage of the assets. If the assets are held in a trust, 
then they don't form part of that estate. So again, that can actually save money in in some cases. And years ago, I I used to work for a a solicitor's firm. And to give you an example, they were the executors of somebody's will. They were selling a property for somebody. And their normal estate agency fee would be normally 0.75% or 1%. And I remember at a team meeting one day, the solicitor was like, look, one of the staff asked the solicitor, how much do you want us to charge for selling this property? And straight away, he's like, oh, 1.5%. And I'm like, hang on, that's a lot more than what you would normally charge. Oh, but we're the executive. We can charge what we want. That was the, <laughs> the reply. Now, they would try to say that the reason they're charging more is that they're having to do the view-ins and there might be mm-hmm. additional work. But I wouldn't quite say it's a license to print money, but... That, that is one advantage of trusts is that it can potentially save on, on probate costs. Okay, good to know. What about reason four, Phil? Yeah, reason four, you can flexibly allocate benefits between a number of people. The great thing with many trusts is that they can often allow you to name a number of different beneficiaries. So, for example, on a, a life insurance policy, I, I've actually got a number of different policies Let's say I had one policy, I could name all my six children as beneficiaries of, of that plan. So some, some trusts are more flexible than, than others. If, if you set up your life insurance and trust, the beneficiaries as well can usually easily be changed. People's circumstances, it changes all the time. So trusts can accommodate that, which is, is great as well. So for example, if, if you are married and split up and your husband or wife was maybe the beneficiary of the trust, then you would want to look at probably changing that. So trusts offer a good degree of flexibility. Some trusts are more flexible than than others. But for example, life insurance, if you put a policy in a trust there, usually it's it's quite easy to change the beneficiaries if, if need be. So some certain trusts can offer a degree of flexibility. You're on the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. Today's episode is called 10 Reasons to Look at Trusts as we move on to number five. What's that one, Phil? Yeah, number five, I've got trustees are legal owners of the trust property, but they can't benefit personally. They've got to use it for the benefit of the trustees. Okay, so they have absolutely no say in it. Well, they do have a say, but they don't have any benefit from it at all. Yeah. Okay, and number six. Yeah, number six, the plan owner, they can retain the ability to influence the trust by acting as a trustee. So you you can actually put yourself down as a trustee. And again, if your wishes change, depending on the type of trust, if it's one that you've got a bit of flexibility with, you can look to to kind of influence the the trust going forward as well. So that's another benefit of of having a, a trust arrangement as well. Yeah, that's number six. Now, here's the seventh reason of 10 to look at trusts. Yeah, trustees must work together and agreeing unanimously before making any changes. And that that really just means that trusts are are robust. There's a process there that has to be followed. So again, that that kind of robustness is a, a, a kind of advantage of having a trust as well. Okay. And here's quite a common plus side to any financial vehicle. Number eight, Phil. Tax mitigation. So trusts are often used to reduce or minimise tax bills. Trusts are are often used when it comes to inheritance tax planning. There's lots of different types of arrangements, as I mentioned, and these have all got sort of differing consequences. 
So this is where I always say to people, look, it's important to take professional financial advice. There are so many different trusts out there. You've got discretionary trusts, loan trusts, bear trusts, interest and possession trusts, discretionary discounted gift trusts. There's so many different options and they've all got different kind of benefits and consequences. So it's important to seek professional financial advice or, or professional advice when, when you are looking at setting up any sort of trusts there. But tax mitigation, especially for inheritance tax, that that is a big one. That's one of the main reasons why a lot of people will look at putting things into a trust. Okay, that's number eight. Number nine, Phil. Yeah, number nine, you've got the, the potential to protect assets against bankruptcy proceedings. Now, what happens there is if an asset's held in the trust, they're owned by that trust and then not by the individual. So this can protect assets in this sort of case. So if, if someone was made bankrupt, that asset is not their asset anymore. It's actually owned by a trust. So that, that's another potential upside of, of trusts as well. It's sort of like a force field, I guess. So the, the thing that I would ask you is a follow-up question to that, Phil. Presumably, you must have that in the trust before you go bankrupt. Yeah, you, you can't, can't do I it, know, that's it safe afterwards. Yeah, one, one thing you've got to watch is there, there's something called deliberate deprivation. So if, if someone thinks that you're doing something for that specific reason, that, that could often be be challenged. And same as well, like once money goes into a trust, there, there's consequences of that. So it might, depending on the type of trust, it might not be easy to get that back out. So you, you've got like sort of tax avoidance and tax evasion. And it's important to, to kind of, important to look at the options but yeah that that's for for all the pros there's often the the, the government know how to get their money and they're they're wise to all of these sort of things yeah so uh, effectively if for instance you knew something was coming down the tracks like you were going to lose your business and and then as a result we declared bankrupt and at that point you tried to put something into a trust then then it, it was not necessarily safe and possibly yeah. illegal uh, and finally number 10 phil yeah number 10 Trusts offer a greater privacy than a will. So because trusts don't go through probate, there aren't there aren't any sort of public records of them. You'll often see records in a newspaper, such and such died and they've left mm-hmm. this to this person or this to the cat and dog home. So if it goes through probate, there's often a public record of it. So there's not the same privacy. Whereas with a trust, you don't have that. So you could leave money in trust to various people Nobody would ever know. Mm, clever. Those are 10 reasons to look at trusts. Before I ask you to sort of take something away from this, Phil, I wonder how much it costs to, to set up a trust. Now, obviously, they're going to be varying prices. But if you're talking about, you know, when we're saying you don't have to be rich to set up a trust, you might do it yeah. with your life insurance. Is it a fairly straightforward transaction and a fairly cost-effective one at that sort of level? Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, some trusts can be more complicated than others. But like, if you were setting up a life insurance policy and want it put in a trust, it's just a case of filling in form that's maybe two or three pages long. And that's where your financial advisor or protection advisor would usually kind of go through that. Really, most, I mean, we we had one chap that used to work with us and almost every policy that he did was written in trust. It was a little bit extra work for him, but he didn't charge any fees to the, the clients for, for doing that. So that type of trust is, is pretty simple and straightforward to set up. 
even when it's come to to like inheritance tax planning, I I remember once I set up what was called a, a discretionary discounted gift trust for a a chap, and we we set that up with Aviva, and with that they they kind of helped me with the the paperwork, but again the, we we made money like off the investment that we set up, so we charged a fee for that, and doing the setting up the trust was just part of that advice process. So a lot of trusts can be set up kind of relatively sort of easily. Like I say, there's so many different types of trusts with different different sort of consequences and things. And that's why it's important to seek professional advice from, from someone if you are looking at that. But some trusts, like I say, life insurance policies, you can put them in trust, no problem at all. Some, sometimes it's got to be done at the time when you take out the policy so they won't let you re- respectively sort of change it thereafter. Again, like I say, it, it, it's a great time for somebody to take financial advice and that, that's where your financial planner should be guiding you on all these things anyway. Absolutely. I don't know if anyone else listens to this show in the way that I do and, and you think towards the end of a programme, do you know, I really need to go and see Phil and check in about yeah. this, 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 this. <laughs> you should start doing like, you know, weekend retreats where we'll sort out your finances. <laughs> now, in a moment, we'll get our quote of the week. But if you had to condense... At this down into into something absolutely bite-sized, Phil. Who should be considering a trust and how would they set about doing it? What are what are our key takeaways from this? Yeah, episode? we, we kinda of already mentioned it, but like trusts, they, they're not just for the rich and, and famous. And like I say, even using a trust on things like your life ins- insurance policy, it can have huge benefits because the money can be paid out quicker. It can go to who you want it to, to go to. It doesn't form part of your estate. Like I say, some trusts can be quite simple arrangements, while others can be sort of more complicated and have much more sort of implications. So like I say, it is important to, to seek out and, and take professional advice when, when you're looking at this sort of thing. Now, in a moment, we'll get Phil's quote of the week, which I always enjoy. But first, it's a look at Phil's own life and how this week's particular topic has impacted him throughout the years. So, Phil, this week, 10 reasons to look at trusts. What have you got on that? Yeah, I've got, I mean, for for my five oldest kids, I've got life insurance policies where if I die within a certain time scale, each of them gets £100,000. The good thing is, because it's written in trust, it would get paid out quite quickly. The other good thing as well is the trustees would have control of the funds. So it would be up to them to decide when the kids get the money and what it's used for. So that my oldest son's 18 now. So if you give him a hundred grand, a lot of that could get well get blown pretty quickly. So so that's one of the, the great things for myself. And one major benefit is it wouldn't be subject to inheritance tax. So depending on the value of my estate, by the time you take into account my business, my house, cars, that sort of thing, probably be over the inheritance tax limit. So if I had 500,000 cover, 40% of that would be going to the tax man. So like 200 grand would disappear straight away if it wasn't in trust. So by having these policies set up and in trust, all of that money will go to my kids straight away. Now, I've got six boys. The only reason I haven't got for my youngest son is that I'd set these things up before he was born, put on quite a bit of weight since then, so I probably wouldn't get, or life covered certainly be an increased premium for me because of my, my weight at the minute. So that's something I'll, I'll sort out at, at some point in time and, and make some sort of arrangement for that. But trusts, even just that basic, simple trust on my life insurance policies would save on inheritance tax, but also make things much more slicker and cleaner 
when when I die as well. And I think that one of the important things that you said there, the trustees are in charge of it. So not only do, do the, does the money come through quickly, but also someone is going to say, right, well, you can have this and now, but not that. And someone's yeah. looking after it and, and controlling it. Now, time for Phil's quote of the week. I know you're a fan of inspirational quotes, Phil. Uh, so what have you got to suit our topic this week on 10 reasons to look at trusts? got a Mark Twain quote this week. Trying to get a quote on trusts was pretty difficult. The, we haven't had a Mark Twain quote for, for a wee while, but yeah. this one, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. And <laughs> I, I guess with that, I, I kind of thought, well, with, with anything, you've got to start somewhere. So probably the starting point for, for trusts is to think, right, do I have a life insurance policy? Is it in trust for my, the beneficiaries? That would be a great starting point for, for anybody listening to the show today. Absolutely. Uh, I, honestly, I'm I'm coming in for for like a, a health check on my finances anytime soon. <laughs> it's happening now. Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your queries. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up. I'll give it to you after these. Hi, Phil. I've just changed employer and moved on to a much better job and salary. Ordinarily, I'd be looking to buy somewhere of my own instead of renting, but I wondered if there might be any advice for holding off for a bit, given our recent financial turmoil with mortgages, or if now is as good a time as any. It's the million-dollar question, is it? It's like there's a couple of things here. So the first kind of factor is house prices. Now, nobody knows for sure what will happen with property prices. You get some people saying, oh, prices are going to come down, but then... When, when some of these average house price figures come out, they still indicate that house prices are rising. It, it is one of those ones that no, nobody can be sure. If you look at supply and demand overall, there is still quite good demand for, for property. So you would expect that would help keep prices at a stable sort of figure. But then you also think, well, if interest rates continue to go up, that might put people off buying property. So there, there's a, a lot of different factors out there, you, you may find, I mean, like, I know that the local area where I stay, I know that really well. And I, I think flats in my own area will go down a wee bit, but then the houses seem to be holding firm. I, I think after COVID, a lot of people are kind of bypassing the flats and going straight into a house. So so locally, that that's kind of keeping the house prices pretty stable, but the flats have, have dropped maybe 10% in the last sort of year or so. Mm. So you'll get regional kind of anomalies as well. So that that's quite a difficult bit to answer. And then look, looking at the mortgages, I mean, recently mortgage lending criteria has improved slightly. And, and what we've found, although the Bank of England base rate has gone up, lenders' rates have actually been coming down slightly. Again, it's, it, it's a bit of a tricky one because it's the, the great kind of unknown. But what, what we do know is if interest rates rise, then lenders will tend to tighten the amount that people can borrow. If, if the government can get inflation under control, then interest rates should stabilise. But ugh, it is a difficult question to answer, is it? It's like, I mean, uh, there's a great quote. It's like, when's a good time to plant a seed? Is it not, or I mean, you might say, yeah, 20 years ago was the best time, but <laughs> now is the next best time. It's mm -hmm. a... It's a difficult, difficult question to ask. Answer that one. 
Okay, and we get variations of this quite a lot, don't we? You know, is now a good time to take out a mortgage? Is is the shortest version of that question? Well, yeah, you know, that's there's your answer. Yeah, possibly better than yesterday, but maybe not as good as tomorrow. Next up, here's one from from Aisha in Manchester who wants to know about wills. She says, hi, Phil, I've got what I would call a bog standard will, which gives everything to my other half in the event of my death. Unless they die first, whatever thing of theirs comes to me. And then once we both pass, it's divided evenly between our kids. Is there anything this wouldn't cover as standard that I'd have to specifically arrange further? With, with a will, I mean, it's good that, that she's got one. That, that's what I would say, first of all. It's always good to review things from time to time and it's always good to make sure that it's kept up to date. So I would always urge anybody to, to do that. We, we did do a previous show called Nay Will, Nay Wise. That, that one must be probably about two years ago now yeah. that we recorded that one. So it'll be well down the, the list when you're searching for, for it. But we, we've a chat with Phil Anderson Financial Services that is a will writer. So if, if anybody did want to, to speak to him, I, I, by all means, I could certainly put you in, in touch with him. He's pretty good when it comes to the, the kind of basic wills. He, he's got a really good knowledge of that. So we, that is a service that we can help people with. If things start to get a wee bit more complicated, that's when we would maybe look at referring it on to, to somebody else. But I would say when it comes to wills, the main thing for folk is to make sure that it's kept up to one, want to have one and then to make sure that it's kept up to date as well. Okay. Would you say as well, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far. Phil was referring to one there and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Mellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 127 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or Join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. As I say, and please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. 